This is the I Want to Play College Golf podcast. We talk to those who coached and those who have played college golf so you can learn what it takes to be a college golfer. Are you ready to tee off? Let's go. My name is Bob May. I'm a, uh, my profession would, would be uh, PGA Tour player, golf instructor. Thank you. And so for the first question, how did you get started with golf? I got, I got involved in golf uh, probably when I was about seven years, about six or seven years old. I stayed with my aunt, and she introduced me to the game. I come from a non-golfing family from my mom and dad, or not, uh, not golfer. My aunt was. Oh, that's cool. What age did you start around? Well, I started playing uh, competitive golf and took it serious when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So that's when you started getting hooked onto the game, sort of? Yeah, I, I, I quit playing uh, all other sports when I was 11. So I quit playing uh, uh, soccer and uh, baseball when I was 11 and just played golf only. Oh, Oh, that's cool. And if you can remember, what was your typical day like in your junior career? Well, I mean, my typical day in junior career, it, you know, it's, it's a lot different than a lot of a lot of kids these days because we didn't have the distraction of, of electronics like you all do. Uh-huh. Um, so my, my day when I was basically about 12 years old, is a, a typical day on the weekend, you know, when I could get to the golf course, would I I'd get there about 7.30 in the morning, and I would probably come home close to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, that's long. I would hit balls all day long. Uh, you know, not being from a golfing family, there was a driving range pretty close to my house. My parents would drop me off at it, and I'd just hit balls all day long. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you must have really liked it. <laughs> No, I loved it, yes. And during your junior years, you had a great number of successes. Looking at your records, you won so many AJGA tournaments, and you even won the Tournament of Champions. How did you get to that top level? Well, I think it was a, the top level was, you know, obviously just, just practice, a lot of practice, mm-hmm. a lot of concentration, um, you know, on my practice. I think, uh, you know, a lot of kids – don't concentrate enough when they practice, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I took the game very serious. I think a lot of it came stemmed from, from my instructors that I worked with that they taught me. So, um, you know, I didn't waste my time out there. I was always, uh, working on, on something or some kind of golf shot. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, at, at a young age, when I was probably 12, 13 years old, I could, I could work the ball both directions. And it was just, it was uh, a game I, I fell in love with. You know, I come from a non-golfing family, so I wasn't pushed into the game. It was something I chose. And so I think that was kind of a big difference for me opposed to a lot of kids, is it's a game that I actually, you know, chose to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And how was your experience at the Tournament of Champions? Well, my, my the, you know, the Tournament of Champions was, was a, a great junior tournament for me. Um, the weird thing is, you know, I was only 15 years old. It was uh, – actually, I wasn't even 15 yet. I was 14, I believe. Might have been 15. I got a special exemption into it. Ooh. And uh, 
and I was sick, so I flew to Georgia, stayed with the family I didn't know, fighting a cold, and then went out and won the biggest, you know, AJGA tournament you can win. So I flew from Southern California, where I lived, all the way to Georgia. Uh, we played Horseshoe Horseshoe Band in in Georgia, and uh, ended up uh, ended up winning the the golf tournament there. Oh my, that's that's so cool, and. In 1984, you were also the youngest qualifier in the U.S. Amateur. Can you tell us about that experience? Um, yeah, you know, uh, it was just, again, you know, a lot of practice. I had success on the golf course that I that I uh, was qualifying on it. And, you know, it was just a lot of preparing. You know, you don't just prepare for one event. You prepare for your whole year. Mm-hmm. And... I think a lot of people were just preparing for certain events and they, they put too much pressure on themselves where when I prepare, I'm preparing for everything I play in. It didn't matter uh, if it was the U S amateur U S junior or the LA city junior or just the a local junior tournament. I always wanted to play the best I could. It didn't matter if it was a big tournament or a small tournament. And I took that same thing on through my amateur career and my professional career. I didn't, I didn't focus harder on majors than I did uh, a normal tour event. Mm-hmm. They were all important to me. Oh, that's cool. How did you feel being the youngest there? Um, I was fine with it. You know, I had a, mm-hmm. I had a, a lot of confidence in my game. And, uh, you know, so therefore, you know, when you're playing with confidence, you, you don't really think about what I'm the youngest player or, or, you know, I'm not supposed to be here kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And how did you manage to balance school and golf? Um, you know, I, I was never a great student. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I tried to get my schoolwork done as fast as I could. And, uh, you know, then, then go play, you know, go play golf or go to tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think school was as um time consuming as it is now uh-huh. but um you know I, th- I think school school could be a little tougher for you kids now and uh but you know you do have uh, you guys do have better technology to, to help you with it where we had encyclopedias that we'd look stuff up on and then how, how often were those updated you know mm-hmm often now you have it on your phone it gets updated monthly all your information you're looking for so um you know you you do that you do have to be able to uh organize your time to be to be a good golfer because you when you're on the golf course you have to be thinking golf only you can't be thinking about schoolwork, boyfriends girlfriends um you got to be strictly focused on the game yeah that's great advice and you went to Oklahoma State University. Just to clarify, did you get a golf scholarship there? Yes, yes. Uh, can you tell us about that process? Well, um, the process to get the scholarship there was um, I was the number one recruit coming out of my class. Mm-hmm. So it was basically my whole decision was to find a school that I would have the best chance of winning a national championship. And that, that's oh. basically what, you know, I was going to school to try to better my golf 
because I knew I wanted to be a professional golfer. So um, I wanted to go to a school that was very golf oriented and a school that I could, uh, you know, possibly if I'm going to go spend four years there that I have a chance to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And how's your experience there? It was good. It was a good experience, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It was quite a ways away from Southern California, quite a bit different than Southern California. <laughs> yeah, over uh, there is like the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was only one other player from Southern California that went there before before me, and that was John O'Neill. Ooh. And then I ended up going there, and then uh, Chris Tidlin went there, and then uh, we had Ricky Fowler. We had uh, Hunter Mayhem. There's quite a few of Southern California kids that have gone there now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. That's really cool. And you were <laughs> also named All-American many times. How did you manage to get to that level? Well, I mean, there, there again, you know, you get to that level by practicing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of kids practice, but um, I don't know how much they're paying attention. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got headphones in, they're hitting golf balls, listening to music. Um, to me, that's not practicing. That's just, you know, doing a physical exercise. Um, to practice, you, you need to really focus and be focused. You can't have other things going on. To practice, you know, I see a lot of kids these days practicing with headphones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't agree with that. You know, that first thing is you're practicing in an atmosphere that are creating an atmosphere that you'll never ever play in mm-hmm. or let you play with headphones in and and so therefore why are you practicing that way you, you're you're never gonna be able to duplicate that uh, in a tournament uh-huh. I think when you practice you should be practicing just as if you're playing in a tournament and you know people i work with i don't call it you know, have you been practicing? Because you want to rehearse exactly everything you're going to do in the play, right? Yeah. When you get to the play. So when you're on the driving range, you should be rehearsing exactly the way in which you're going to play on the golf course. Mm-hmm. And so uh, most of all my competitive kids, I kind of teach them to rehearse. Let's, let's do some rehearsal. And so when they're, when they're out there, they should be rehearsing and not practicing. Oh, oh, that makes perfect sense. And obviously you won many tournaments during college. Can you tell us some of your favorite ones? Um, you know, obviously, you know, probably the, the first one I won was at uh, Austin, Texas. And that was great. I ended up beating a good friend of mine, <laughs> Dudley Hart, who plays on tour. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, you know, it was it was a fun tournament to win. Um, you know, the, I, I think one of the, the best ones was winning at uh, the basic what they call preview now, which I won in South Carolina, and it got me on the front cover of Golf World magazine mm-hmm. while I was in college. So that was kind of neat. Oh, that's really cool. And you got into the U.S. Amateur again. How did you stay on track and accomplish this? Uh, just, you know, again, just practicing. I mean, golf consumed my life, you know. Um, golf was was basically my focus. Um, it was something that I played and I always got positive feedback from. So, therefore, it just consumed me. Oh, 
That's nice. And just curious, like how much time do you spend on each part of the game? You know, I, I don't, I really don't break it down that way. I, I uh-huh. practice what I feel like that moment. Mm-hmm. It's just, it might be short game. Some days might be long game. I don't try to neglect any part of the game. I try to, for practice day for me, would basically be from, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning to about 4 in the afternoon. Oh, oh, that's cool. And yeah, all day process. <laughs> Uh, you're also in the British Amateur. Can you tell us about that experience? The British Amateur was fun. You know, I played in that after I played in the Walker Cup. So it was, uh, it was a good, fun time in my, my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in 1991, you played in the Walker Cup with Phil Mickelson and David Duell. How'd you get there? Just the overall points and performance throughout the previous years in amateur golf. Mm. Oh, so it's based off of the amateur rankings? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. And um, what did you do to prep for it? What did I, uh, well, yeah, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. for all my tournaments the same way. I don't do uh, anything special for any tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big tournament. I mean, the reason is, is equipment work by the day. I want to make sure that number is the best number I could I could do. So therefore, I treat all tournaments the same. Uh huh. And um, how was the Walker Cup experience? Walker Cup is great. It's, uh, you got uh, basically Great Britain against uh, you know the. Uh, player from Great Britain and Ireland and then you got you know the players who were over there and uh, you know, we played on a full style links golf course at Port Marnock mm-hmm. and it, it, was, it was it was a great week you know we had a lot of fun over there for the for the whole week that we were there mm-hmm. oh that sounds really fun and that same year you turned professional can you tell us about your whole journey well right after I got done playing British Amateur, I came home and turned professional and uh, went to the tour school mm-hmm. and uh, didn't get my tour card, so I went over to Asia and played Asia. Oh, oh, that's and cool. Then, and then when I came back from Asia, um, you know, I started playing uh, the Hogan Tour at the time, which is now the Corn Ferry Tour. Oh, oh, that's cool. I just flew back from, from Europe from defending uh, the British Masters. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Louisville, I was kind of tired. But uh, staying with some people I didn't know, again, friends, though, became friends now. Mm-hmm. You know, shot a 72 the first day, which was okay, nothing great. And then, uh, you know, proceeded to shoot 366s to turn it into a, uh, a good, fun weekend. Ooh. Oh my, that was, that's so good. And obviously you have many experiences as a professional. What is some advice you would tell young junior golfers aspiring to turn pro? First thing I tell them, if, if they think they're working hard, they need to work harder. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, one, you got you to gotta find someone that you believe in. 
for these kids. But um, I just think when they practice, they need to be more focused, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's some great piece of advice. And now you have a successful golf academy at TBC Las Vegas. What's your coaching philosophy? Uh, my coaching philosophy is uh, uh, is a method that was taught to me, and it's uh, swing the handle, not the club head. Ooh. So okay. it's a it's a philosophy that we are always focused on the handle and uh, and moving the handle of the golf club. Mm-hmm because that's where we're connected. So whatever I do with the handle has a direct effect on the club head, which therefore has a direct effect on the golf ball. So that's why we, that's why we, that's why I teach that. And it's the same method I used when I was on tour that was taught to me by Eddie Marins. And, uh, you know, I also work with Tom Sargent uh, and uh, a little bit with Butch Harmon. Oh, oh, that sounds so like a great, yeah. Those are the three guys I've I've worked with in my career, but Tom Sargent and Eddie Marringer are the ones I work with the most. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's great! It makes it sound so simple. And <laughs> when you or like I know you already answered this earlier, but for juniors, do you recommend them dividing their time for putting, chipping, and full swing, or just like do as they think? Um, you know, some people aren't, aren't focused enough, you know, they'll, they'll say they, they did everything fine. And then the parents are like, no, you didn't, you didn't do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for someone that's, that's paying attention, I think they know what they need to work on, but mm-hmm. sometimes you know, they don't know what to work on. So therefore, if they had a plan that they should do this, this, and this, this day, and this, this, and this, that day, it, it could help them. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I was never that disciplined. I was just, you know, dropped off the golf course. And I just worked on whatever I felt I needed to. But I, I never neglected any any part of the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That makes great sense. Besides not practicing efficiently, what is another mistake you see commonly in junior golfers? Kids, kids may be playing the game for their parents and not for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something, uh, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to want it yourself. Uh-huh. And if, if they don't want it themselves, um, it's going to be very hard to be successful at it. Oh, oh that's, that's great insight. How does someone improve their golf game? Besides, like, practicing a lot? Well, I mean, there, there's no way to improve your golf game if you don't practice. Mm-hmm. Now, if you practice a lot and you want to get better when you're practicing, have uh, a good structured practice program, but also, uh, you know, you should be working out on the side, you know, mm-hmm. going to the gym and, and working out and getting stronger. So that, you know, when you start hitting a lot more balls, your body can uh, take the abuse of the twisting and turning. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. And um, what do you believe college coaches look for in a player? Uh, well, I mean, the, the, the most thing they're going to look for is their scores. You know, mm-hmm. what are your scores? And that's what they're going to be concerned about are, are their, their scores. Uh-huh. Um, I think they'll also be concerned about their grades and what kind of person they are. 
but when it gets down to it is, you know, how can you play the game? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. And how should a junior approach the game, or what mindset should they have? Well, I mean, the mindset should be they need to play the game, needs to be played between them and the golf course and not them and their opponents because they can't control what their opponents are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great mindset. And just curious, how did you build up your AJGA resume and get to the top? Well, my resume was built by my performance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, obviously, as I played it and got better and better and won more tournaments, that's how the resume was basically built up. Uh-huh. Oh, so juniors just need to play in a lot of qualifiers and then win tournaments? No, we didn't have qualifiers back then. Oh. Oh. No, no they didn't have qualifiers back then. It was just the... You know, there was probably about 80, 80 to 100 of us kids that flew all around the country playing these events, and that was it. Oh, so it's like by invitation? Yeah, well, kind of, yeah, invitation, and then parents that were uh, serious enough about sending their kids all, the way, all around the country to play. You know, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as big of a sport when I was playing. Oh, you know, now you have, you know, three, three different tiers of uh, AJGA. So, you know, obviously the one I played at was the highest level, but mm-hmm. that's all we had then. So it was, it was just taking the best players pretty much from two players out of almost every state that, you know, that would want to play and then putting us all together. But if you want the two players out of every state, you know, California would have six or seven. Texas would have six, seven, or eight. Uh, Florida would have a lot. So it was basically just taking the best juniors throughout the country from their programs in their state and them to play. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know AGG changed that much. Yeah, um, it's changed a lot. <laughs> and um, what's your secret sauce of advice for golf and life in general? Well, I mean, first thing is, uh, it's great just to play golf. These kids need to understand that. That's great. And they need to also understand that very few of them are going to make it to the professional level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing is make sure you love the game if you're going to try to play it at that level because it's a serious commitment. Uh-huh. And, and it's a commitment that, you know, if you tell your parents, I want to be a professional golfer, and they start pouring all this money into it, and then – you're like, well, that's not really what I want to do. I mean, so when you make that decision, make sure it's really what you want to do because it is a commitment. It's a lifestyle. And if you want to be good, it, it, it's a lifestyle that, you know, you're going to sacrifice a lot of spending time with your friends and, and doing all that. But, you know, if you make it, it's a great, it's a great fun ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's some great piece of advice. And um, finally, we're coming to an end. What advice would you give to parents and junior golfers? Uh, first thing I tell I tell parents is, you know, don't push their kid into the game. If uh, if they want to do it, um, introduce it to them. And if they want to do it, that's great. But um, let it be their decision because if it's not, the minute they get away from you, they're not going to they're, they're going to quit the game. Uh-huh. So I would say introduce them to them. 
if they want to play, give them the opportunities to go to the right places to get the right instruction. And, uh, you know, if they're doing good, don't push them harder. Just let them keep on going and just keep on giving them the means to go harder if they want to push themselves harder. But the minute you start pushing them and forcing them in that direction, and it's not, it's just not going to turn out good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. If you don't like the game, then you're not going to be good at it. How involved do you think parents should be in their kids' game? I don't. I mean, I came from parents that weren't involved at all, as in they were there for support, but that was it. Uh-huh. They didn't tell me I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. Uh, you know, when parents get that involved, I think that's when the kids start, you know, losing interest. Oh, uh, okay. So, like, minimum involvement, sort of? Well, I, I would say they're, they're, the parents are a support team more than they are anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, thank you for that. And thank you so much for letting us interview you. <laughs> You got it, not a problem. Have a good night. You too. Thank you for listening today. Please share this with a friend and subscribe to be sure you get our next episode. Hope your next round is your best round.